Hey, welcome to Pastor Plex Podcast. So glad that all of you are joining us. And we are going to be asking some questions based on relationship this week. And I've got my lovely wife, Adrian, in studio with us. Adrian, say hello. Hi. Uh, love it when I get to have her. She is so talented and, most importantly, very funny. And if you got any time to experience Adrian, you have probably laughed. So let's talk about specifically relationships, Adrian, and uh, really what it is when over the years the person you married isn't the same. In other words, they don't have the same joy, they don't have the same happiness, they don't have the same look, they don't have any of the same things like when you married them. Maybe when they when you married the person, let's from a female perspective, the man was very pursuing, he wanted to have sex, he wanted to enjoy, he was very creative and thoughtful, and then later became very just unthoughtful, either just played video games all night or binge watch shows. So Talk to me about that, um, just from your perspective, and what should a person do? Of, of all the people you've counseled, all the people you've talked to, give me some uh, insight into really uh, what happens when the person you married changes. Yeah, so I think that this is pretty normal. I've, I read somewhere recently that every 10 years, you are a different person, and the person you're married to is married to a different person, and, and, and obviously those are the same thing, but I think it's kind of... A helpful realization to make at when we have friction or disappointments within our marriage. Sometimes it is just everyone is shifting maybe into more, sometimes into more the person that they actually are and other times into a kind of a dejected version of themselves because of stress or conflict that they've had in the last few years of their marriage. And so regardless, there is, I think this is common and I think it's due to a lot of factors and I feel like in this particular issue, the most productive thing to do is to not spend a lot of time trying to fix anything, but instead try and start enjoying your spouse on a on something that is very like fun. What do you mean? Not serious, not figuring things out, not problem solving, just going and enjoying your spouse in a really basic, fun way. And I think that this can be a lot easier said than done, which is kind of why we, we've created a few little, a little worksheet actually to help couples identify what activities might work for this because it can be hard to do it. And it often requires, it requires someone to kind of cave in and, and engage in an activity that might not be their number one favorite. But if you can engage something that might not be your favorite thing, but it's something that your spouse can enjoy and do, if it's if it has potential to be fun, continuing to do it really does ha- open up an opportunity to ha- enjoy your spouse in a way that is that is like when you were dating. It's like when it first started, and you kind of remember about what about them is fun and is enjoyable and is exciting to you. Well, talk to me about this though. I mean, how have you seen people change? How, what do you when you say people change over ten years? What do you mean? And I think let's just talk about some of the factors that would that would cause people to change. The first thing that comes to my mind is children. Children makes people change. What are some factors? And let's talk, maybe discuss some of those factors because I think that gives you grace or mercy for your spouse if they have been affected by something beating them down, whether it was a, a bad work experience or you know, children are hard to raise. And uh, you name the thing. Um, but those things have impact. So let's just talk about a couple of those. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for kids, for example, this is partially why I think it's so important to go do something simple and fun 
because when you are raising kids together, you are under tremendous responsibility and you are overwhelmed with need pretty much all the time, especially if one of the one of the two people is with the kids full time. I mean, that person, there is no break. There is no sit at a desk, sit in your car, have a, have a minute. Like, it's just constant. It's constant need, constant opportunity for discipline or engagement. And that's hard and that's taxing. And so after a day like that, you're kind of spent. And then as a couple trying to engage the family and the kids together, this is a whole different type of relationship dynamic. This has nothing to do with the type of dynamic you had back when you were dating, when it was just the two of you looking to enjoy each other. And so I think for I think on the kids front, it's like it's so important to get yourselves in an environment where you don't have a whole lot of responsibility and you're, you're not meeting a whole lot of need. You, you're just engaging your spouse in a very simple way that brings out the, the sides of them that were around when you fell in love with them. Yeah. So talk to me uh, also, let's just so children, one, uh, work stress, other, and then just like life, life happens. What are, and maybe even dealing with parents and you're dealing with life, you're dealing with, as you get older, you're starting to realize things aren't, maybe there's some things in you that uh, weren't perfect. And so you're, you're gr- constantly growing. And so here, here's what people, or Tim Keller is a classic saying, which of course he stole from somebody who stole from somebody else. But if you look at yourself 10 years ago, wouldn't you just in general say that you were most, you were the fo- most foolish person in the world and how in the world did anyone ever trust you with one raising kids or uh, doing anything uh, leadership wise when you look at your life 10 years ago? And I think 10 years from now, you will say the same thing. You will look back on who you are right now and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't have anything for you. I was a complete mess. And so give yourself the freedom to understand that you are a complete mess, but then also your spouse isn't as great uh, as they might be 10 years from now. And and this is where, you know, when I, when I think about, think 10 years from now, who you want to be and who you want your spouse to be and start treating them like that. And so you're probably going to see incremental improvement uh, little by little, bit by bit, because, um, if, if you're working on it together, I think that becomes the ultimate piece of this is I think a lot of times we want to improve our spouse for them. And so we end up parenting them as opposed to loving them. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Well, I think that to me, the most, the most important thing to take away with, with the fact that in 10 years, there'll be a different person. It's helpful if you can have a perspective that in 10 years, some of these things, these irritations that you currently have they might fix themselves. Your husband, your spouse, whether it's your husband or wife, they might kind of grow personally and they might realize some of the selfish things that they're doing or they might realize they just might change in ways that are productive. And I think when I am able to interact with Chris in a way that I have hope that some of the things that currently irritate me might not have might not stay that way, then I'm able to have more fun and enjoy him. But if I live in fear that he's never going to ever change unless I start criticizing him and nagging him. Well, then that's all I can ever do. And I can't even go and I can't go play a game with him or go exercise with him or or go do anything fun with him because I'm constantly irritated that I have to be parenting him and ensuring that he is going to grow and change. And I think if you can kind of like take a pause on that and almost compartmentalize fun time together you will start to be able, I think, trust that your spouse is on is on a growth trajectory just like you are, and 
the, what your problems are today are not going to be the same ones right. in the future. Yeah. Okay. So th- there's, and this question is kind of vague. So it, you could cover just about anything about delighting in your spouse, like delighting your spouse sexually. Uh, you know, we've talked about this over and over again. That takes uh, over time. The best sex is held by 60 year olds. That That is just straight up fact. Uh, and that's because, and what's amazing like that, you would not think 60 year olds would be like, no 20 year olds thinking, man, I can't wait to to marry a 60 year old. You would think their life is over, but rather that's where it's just kind of hitting its prime in that area. And that's because that's where your brain is designed. All right. Your brain is designed to fall more in love with your spouse over time. And so that sex really kind of, uh, further, uh, excites that. Then also just growing with your spouse. Like it's, it's fun to watch your spouse grow. It's fun to, to reminisce and look back. And one of the things that um, I've started telling couples to do, and I don't want to get too into a how-to, but go back through your life and chapter your life. So um, your life has different seasons. You might have the dating season. You know, that's chapter one. The engagement season, that's chapter two. And that was a low point. Uh, The wedding and the honeymoon, that was probably a high point. Uh, The first year of marriage, that was probably a low point. Uh, The the neck, you know, the when things turned around, you guys started to figure it out, and you can call that we figured it out phase, child number one phase. Then you've got all these different, like, you know, pregnant first, and you, now you've got different chapters of life that you can name. Here's what I want you to hear. You can name the problems of your past, and then it gives you words to sort of share, like, this makes me feel like that time, or, or it in and in a positive way, it also teaches the history of your family legacy to your children. Because I think children desperately want to know about their parents. They want to know about the olden days. They want to know about what it was like to be um, to be you when you were their age. They love that stuff. And of course, um, parents always overdo it with the when I was your age stories. But that's part of it. Uh, kids love to hear that even though they might roll their eyes. They need that legacy of family to um, to monitor that. Now, if you are watching it and you're labeling the chapters of your life, it helps you go, here's where we are now. How do you want to write this? And I think there's for a lot of us, when we see an opportunity to write a new chapter into our life, it gets exciting to think, oh, we don't have to keep beating each other down like we have been. Okay, uh, that's question one. All right, so let's move on to, to question two, and it's really along the same lane. Do you, how do you hold your spouse accountable for their relationship with God? And um, Adrian, you can speak into this, but I always just said, don't parent your spouse. Yeah, and Adrian, you said a second ago, you know, you can pray for your spouse, you can you can be seeking the Lord on behalf of your spouse, but ultimately their relationship with God is between them and you. And so, if you nag them about it, it ultimately might even push them away and make even resent you. But I do think if you can assert your need, I need you to be spiritually filled, then leave it there. Let the spouse come and fill that need by saying, oh, I have been reading my Bible just on any time you ever saw me. Or, yeah, I, I need to be spiritually filled as well. And, um, or I need to be spiritually led. Or I need to be, uh, I need to be spiritually supported. Like Those are a couple, a couple things of needs that you can bring up that don't lead to a point of like, um, I'm telling you what to do, but it clearly states what you're needing from them is either support or leadership, which do you want to speak into that? Yeah, I think the answer is what you already said, that you just, you don't do that. You don't hold them accountable. <laughs> There's just really no way that that goes well. It's kind of like holding your spouse accountable <laughs> for working out or eating. I mean, but even those things maybe could go well, but their relationship with God, it, there's just no chance. And I think that that's where 
I mean, I think it's productive to pray for them. I, I know so many friends who desperately wish that their husbands were more engaged spiritually. And I think that's a hard burden to feel. But I also think it's helpful to consider that God is God is capable of speaking to them without things that we can see visibly and also really anyway, whether it's fruit in their life or whether it's that we visibly see them opening their Bible. God is not limited to those things. And I think sometimes a spouse has to go through a season of truly hearing from God and even resisting it before you notice that they, before the Holy Spirit, I think weight is so heavy that they make a shift and make a change. And I think that your role is to just be patient and to trust God. You're not, you don't have confidence in your spouse and you never should like your, your faith and your confidence never should be in your spouse. It should always be in God and and the Holy spirit working through them and in them. And if that's where you can kind of rest, it will, I think, help you in being able to love them and encourage them, even though it feels super frustrating that they are neglecting this like critical area of life. All right, we're moving on to our last question of the podcast, and it's this. How do you suggest a man keep his wife in submission, especially when it feels more dis- disconnected in other areas? Now, this is an interesting question, um, and one I can speak to the men on. <clears throat> um, you see, in Ephesians chapter 5, it doesn't give you like a enforcement clause. So if the wife isn't submitting, then what you do is you get a rod about the size of your thumb. There is nothing like that. There isn't a um, an enforcement clause other than if someone is sinning against you, take two or three witnesses, then take it to the church, and that goes both ways for men and for women. So there is no enforcement clause for the man to force his wife to submit to him. Uh, and how, But however, that doesn't mean you can't initiate leadership. And I think that might be more of what this the person was trying to get to, even though their question was sort of odd. So, um, yeah, so let's talk about that, Adrian. How, how have you seen this? We can talk about our marriage and marriages you've seen. Like, how is a man able to initiate with his wife in a way that she doesn't um, take it as he's initiating her to submit or else? Well, that's a great question. I think this really is varies upon each particular marriage dynamic and each particular like male and female personality. I think that I can be pretty hard-headed sometimes. I can, I have a lot of my own opinions. And so I feel like when you are asking me for feedback or asking me what you want for help or for direction, I'm going to give that pretty opinion and with a pretty strong opinion. And so if, if there's an area where you're wanting to not get my feedback and not do things my way, then it needs to be a pretty overt, like, this is what I've decided and this is what we're doing. And then I know to follow you and I can ask questions within that. And I think that's important for the husband to allow the wife to ask questions, allow the wife to sometimes suggest another way. But I think it's important that at the end of the day, the wife throw her arms up and say, okay, we're, I'm sticking with your planning, with your leadership on this particular subject. But I really feel like for our marriage, I need that to be a pretty strong 
like statement of leadership. Whereas I don't think all women are that way. I think in some cases, a a husband can kind of just put forth some ideas and, and a wife is ready to like align herself behind them, like without any questions and without really agreeing, you know? So I think that it does depend on the marriage dynamic. It does depend on the personalities involved. And I think Chris, like you're pretty open-minded, like you've got, there's a lot of right ways to go about the things that you want to do. So that's where you, you are often asking me for questions or for help or for direction. And I think some men are never engaging their wives in that way. They're not ever asking what would you like or how do you, what do you see that being the solution for this or um, they're never bringing their wife in. And so I think that it's, it's awesome when you can do that because I think that helps with the submission factor. It helps it feel like you guys are on the same page because sometimes you guys, sometimes both husband and wife have really different thoughts, but they can find a common denominator and a solution together. But until you've heard each other's differing thoughts, it can feel really um, kind of draconian just to have the man be like, well, this is my one perspective and every, and this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, and I think there's different ways to, to lead. Uh, the way that we've sort of taken is that I'm the head of the household. However, I've delegated the house to you. I, I've kind of separated, uh, the distribution of labor goes like this. Um, Adrian, you lead the, the house like work or like leading in the, the child rearing. I've sort of given that to you with especially the little ones. And then uh, I sort of take on the role of the bigger picture of where we're going, where what we're doing in ministry, how we're going to lead the church and be a part of that. And so what I do then is because I've delegated something to you, the house, then I ask you, how can I help you in whatever way? I, even though it seems like you're not telling me something you need help with as if you're telling me to do, that, that doesn't take away my leadership because my leadership really was to delegate to you. And like any good leader... There's a point at which, like, even at the church, I'll figure out how to stack chairs, or I'll go serve in children's ministry. And when I'm serving in children's ministry, I'll ask our children's ministry director, what do you want me to do? Uh, not because I'm not in charge anymore, not because I've lost my leadership. Nobody's thinking I'm not the pastor anymore. Nobody's thinking, oh, he's he's now the uh, Bud's class leader. No, I, I which I was during that time. But the reality is I am uh, utilizing leadership to be... Uh, to pl- to work alongside those that I am leading and being in uh, the trenches, so to speak, alongside them and asking them how they need help. Sometimes people, they, they do it with, with the distribution of labor. We're just going to split it 50-50, and that, that's fine. You just have to have really clear boundaries on what those, those lanes are or else something won't get done or you'll be stepping in somebody else's lane, and then it gets confusing on what each person is going to do. So uh, I think that that's sort of helps. What, what do you think? Can you add anything to that? Yeah, I think going back to the question, it, it kind of sounds like perhaps the wording was trying to say, how do I make sure my wife is in submission? And that's just not your job. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that you don't get to ensure that you're, I mean, that's kind of like saying, I mean, anything. Like, how do I make sure my husband really has a quality relationship with God? How do I make sure my wife really is really pushing herself in her workouts. Like that's just really not your area. And I think that that's where you pray for them. I think you pray that God will convict her. If you don't feel like your wife is in submission, you pray that God will convict her heart and that she will feel the weight of the sin of insubmission. And that you pray for community for this wife. You pray for 
the Holy Spirit to speak to them. And I think asking some questions, some probing questions that might help a wife recognize that she's like, maybe she's afraid to submit. Maybe she thinks she is submitting and you guys just haven't talked it out. Like, I think that there's a lot of ways, but I, but it's for sure not the husband's job. That is like a wife is ultimately submissive to her husband because she is trying to honor the Lord. And that is where I feel like that becomes God's concern mm. and your job is to love her and pray and hope that she will shift in this area. That's great. All right. So, uh, last question. Uh, do you feel that marriages that are not God ordained are really going to see the blessing of submission? In other words, let's say, um, a, a woman marries a non-believing Christian. That would be like a non God ordained marriage. But however, once you're married, it's God ordained because it happened. Um, that's so yeah will you see the blessing of submission yeah yeah i think you will uh it may not look the same because you might be following a non-believing husband but the the scripture clearly says that you are to love your husband and serve your husband and win him over with your gentle uh and quiet spirit and so that becomes a powerful uh motif here that you're really trying to, to rock now i will say like let's say if we go to the realm of a non-God-ordained marriage, for example, like um, uh, a homosexual couple, for example, might might be something that God would not have ordained. Would would you see the blessing of submission? Well, there is some truth that um, two heads make a monster. So if you're trying to kind of have like a, uh, an equal headship sort of thing, I think that just simply having one person leading will be be a blessing. But ultimately, God has not ordained. Uh, anything that God hasn't ordained, you're going to reap the consequence of that and that sin and the darkness of that. So I feel like that might be, that makes me a little bit wary on what the person means by God ordained. But if you want to just go with the straight form of, I married somebody that wasn't a believer and now I'm trying to submit to them or I'm trying to lead them as God has called me to, there's always blessing in doing what God has called you to do. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think one, I had a, a wise other, older pastor's wife one time tell me I had a friend at the time who was married to a non-believer and she was really struggling with some pretty big life decisions regarding their kids and their living arrangements. And I was visiting with this other pastor's wife and I, and she said, you know, it's always in the best interest of the wife to default decisions to the husband. She said there, because of the fall, because of the initial fall in the Garden of Eden where the woman became deceived and the man went passive, she said that those are going to be the two sin tendencies in each gender. And so for a woman, that means we are going to be much more easily deceived in all of our thought. And that was something really kind of shocking to me. And I, and I wrestled with whether or not I agreed with it. And I think over time, I recognized that the, the word deceived feels so strong, but I think it, it emotional like we're pretty emotional like that's not hard to agree with we're pretty subjective we're pretty um circumstantial a lot of times that we are um we're, our perspective can be very limited and i think that by nature men are not wired the same they tend to see things more black and white and they tend to have a gut instinct that's more accurately aligned with the right choice and that is and she said so it doesn't matter whether her husband's a believer or not there is totally going to be blessing in her life for submitting to him and following his leadership. And I think that for me has been kind of convicting on many levels. And I've seen it to ring true in marriages where people are unequally yoked. I've seen that to be a, a true thing. So I believe that there is blessing regardless. 
Okay, well, thanks, Adrian. And uh, that's all the time we have for today. I'm so grateful for everyone listening. Uh, share it with a friend and let everyone know that you listen to Pastor Plex Podcast. And looking forward to seeing you again next episode.